Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Friday edition of Locked On Mavericks. I'm Mike. He is Jake. I'm at Machine Sports. He's at Not Jack Kemp. You can also follow the show at Locked On Mavs if you're interested in knowing when the episodes get posted every day and if you're interested in seeing what kind of uh, snappy headline I can work into 140 characters or less. Um, Episode number 69. Yeah. For Friday, January the 13th. Um, Jacob, how are we feeling this morning? Pretty good, Mike. It's uh, it's still a little bit uncomfortable whenever people describe the game to see them write the Mexican fans. <laughs> Is that a thing we can do? Yeah, you're still good there. I don't. I mean, I feel like I don't know. In this instance, I feel like they could. But if it was like Los Mavs Night and they wrote the Mexican fans, I wouldn't be very. That'd be problematic to me. That'd yeah, be, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, you're they, fine. They got a Dirk Dunk. They did. They got Dirk Duncan. They got a Dirk uh, Dagger 3, which uh, we haven't gotten very many of because he just doesn't play past the first half for most of the season. Um, but, yeah, Mavs get a win, in fact. 113-108 um, in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that stadium, Ciudad de Mexico. Um, all right, so the Mavs get a win in Mexico City, 113-108, 12th win of the year. Um, you know, one of those wins, one of those one wins every week. That we kind of had scheduled in our little uh, our little day planner, that uh, that keep the troops uh, interested um, in thinking that they can uh, beat some teams. Um, the perfect amount, the one the once a week win, um, is the schedule we're back on. Um, which basically, after they won their twelfth game, ties them with Phoenix uh, at the bottom of the Western Conference at a .308 win percentage for both of them. Um, updating the 538 projections, it bounces the Mavericks back to the sixth worst record at 29 and 53. Actually, ties them with the Lakers in their projections, which is kind of curious to me because the Lakers have played like more games than basically anybody thus far. But 538 still has them just like falling off the side of the mountain. Um, they kn- they know their intentions. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, Nate Silver's just like they run the numbers, and he's like, no, 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 no. Just cranks it down a little bit. He's like, uh-uh. Um, yeah, the Lakers have already played 43 games. Damn. Um, but, yeah, so there's your standings update. Um, Devin Booker, huh? I uh, If you were to take all of the NBA head talker people that are out there, and I don't know if we even qualify for that, but I might have been the lowest on Devin Booker coming out of the draft. And I have to say I'm glad 
Um, I'm wrong on that kid because I don't want any NBA player to just be complete trash necessarily. Um, I like it when the league is filled with really good players, but damn, son. 29 yeah. in the fourth, 35, 39 overall. Brought him back, too, in the fourth. What's that? He brought him back, too, kind of yeah. single-handedly in the fourth. I mean, after that big-ass run the Mavericks had in the third quarter, um, I mean, he was pretty much their offense. And I'm – the main thing I worry about with somebody like Devin Booker is what Eric Bledsoe's – what his presence will have on his development. Like, sometimes it can be like Carmelo and uh, Chris Stapps, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, some, sometimes it can help, sometimes it can hurt. And it's not that I think that Eric Bledsoe is, like, incorrigible. It's just he needs the ball. Yeah. And, obviously, they operate in the same kind of area on the court. And I feel like right. I feel like whenever Booker is out there with, uh, with Bledsoe, I don't think Booker, like, ever necessarily attacks the basket unless it's, like, a fast break opportunity, which he did a lot last night. Um, 28 points in the, uh, in the fourth. T.J. Warren scored two, and Alex Lynn scored two. And that was their offense, which is uh, pretty dang impressive. Um, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be happily wrong about him. All right, so um, Darren Williams also had a, uh, a pretty good game. And this is the type of game, I, as, as we've like started um, wheeling and dealing in our heads and uh, sending guys to different destinations, I've thought it borderline insane for a while, but I kind of piped down because uh, everyone else that I respect a lot has been like, uh, no, there's probably not a market for him. But I don't know, man. I've thought for a while that because he's played so well is one part of it, but also you can never really have enough backcourt players uh, and enough backup point guards and guys that can play off ball at like the two. that I thought the market for Darren Williams was right on par with the market for Bogut whenever we started this whole thing. And now I think the market for Darren Williams has far exceeded the market for Bogut. Well, I agree with you that the market for D-Will has exceeded Bogut, but I would also say that the trade for Kyle Korver has me thinking that it's not as high as I thought it was. So even if Williams is worth more than Bogut, I'm not – I mean – I would have thought, and I've heard some people say that they're surprised that Kyle Korver got a contender a first because basically Mo Williams is Mo Williams and Mike Dunleavy are going to be waived or moved or whatever. It's basically a late first in 2019 mm-hmm. for like the best shooter in the game, <laughs> like or the you know a top five shooter in the game being added to a championship team. That makes me think that Derek. Darren Williams is not going to get you a first-round pick is what that makes me think. No, Which I don't think so either. I probably have at least said once that I thought it would. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, like, if you got a three-quarters of a season out of him or something. I don't know. His, I get the the short-term nature of it. I get his uh, – he could, you know, twist an ankle or, you know, strain his calf one time and your entire investment that you just dumped into him is is gone for probably the rest of the season. But – I just think the the actual on-court effect that he could have and the things he could fix, um, he checks a lot more boxes to me than Bogut probably ever could. Um, and Bogut's the same thing now, man. I mean, he didn't play last night because of his hamstring, and I just kind of don't want him to play anymore uh, until they trade him. But you got to show the teams that he can get out there and still do something, uh, and he's not you know, um, going to get hurt every sixth quarter that he plays, but... 
I think there's a lot of situations, and because you can play three guards at a time and stuff like that, and you're never going to play three centers, um, there are a lot of situations that could use Darren, and they start evaporating, though, pretty quick. Um, because you mentioned the Corver trade. Um, Cameron Payne is back with the Thunder, and they might have missed like their best window to move Darren, but he's been playing nuts. Um, 20-plus points in six of the last ten games. Uh, Wes got back on track last night, which was fun to see. 7 of 14, 4 of 8 from 3 for 18 points total. And we got a, uh, we got a Dirk dagger. Which was uh, super fun to three, as he, or super fun to see as he hit that three to uh, to expand the lead and put things away. Um, I think Devin Booker just really enjoyed the uh, the real lax underage drinking laws that Mexico has, <laughs> and, and that's why he was just spitting hot fire. <laughs> um, one thing that does interest me, and we can spend a couple minutes on it. We might get deeper into it next week. Is the uh, there's a um a report from Woj that the referees, the NBA Referee Association and the league have been having a uh, long-form communication back and forth about the conduct of Mark Cuban and uh, his threats and, quote, threats and intimidation towards game referees. Um, a lot of it's like, uh, I follow, he says things like, I follow your game reports, um, the referees, if it's, if it's up to me, the referees will continue to be an at will employee. Um, he tries to intimidate them by saying the guys that got let go last year, he had a hand in just general bullying of, uh, of the game referees. And, um, I don't find any of it to be that surprising or I don't doubt the, no. uh, the truth of any of it. It's Not just kind of, no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating that, that, that the league and the, uh, you know, another organization, which is the the Referees Association, have had a long-form uh, back and forth about his conduct. And he's taken a lot of L's this year. And I, this kind of feels like dogpiling because I feel like you could kind of do this any year uh, that he's over there. But what, do, what are your feelings on, uh, on any of that? Uh, well, I think you're right that it feels like this is the time to do it. Uh, if you're the referees association to come out and bring it up now. Um, I, but I also think that it probably has a general cooling or cancel out effect because I think um, that he probably for every bit of his intimidation or mafioso like tactics probably receives just as much negative officiating. Yeah. Like, I think he probably thinks that it's helping, and maybe some guys it does, but I think in general it probably hurts some too and probably is uh, on balance about a push. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I, I, think, I, think, I don't think it helps the Mavs. Right. But it's also kind of like with any other – a lot of other things you think of when it comes to GMs or owners, which is their gift is their curse. So a big part of the reason Cuban has been as good as he has is that he's super, super into it. And that is, you can't, I don't think you can extricate some of the success the Mavs have had from his ownership. I mean, whatever you think about him, he's been pretty good for this thing relative to what it was whenever he bought it. Yeah. I mean, and the at only the same way... time, if you're, if you think that the part of the reason that they got out of that hole is him being really into it, 
Well, him being really into it is also going to include him yelling at refs. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Like, you don't dig out of what the Mavericks were in in the 90s, which is, uh, I think, the lowest win percentage of any professional team in that decade, um, without somebody somebody at some level, and maybe multiple levels, being obsessive yeah. about a turnaround, about making a difference. And that's him. That's his personality. Like, he gets deep into stuff, and he, um, you know, gets outraged by things inside of, you know, whatever world he's in. And this happens to be it. And none of it really bothers me. The thing he can't say is, um, yeah, well, how many calls didn't I get or how many negative calls did I catch because of your spite for me, because of how I handle myself and how into it I am. And he's just kind of got to be above it and say, you know, I'm real con- I was more concerned about the game management side of it. I'm not trying to make personal attacks and things like that. But that's the thing he can't say is the thing you started with, which is it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, because no one really wants to hear that. But um, we might dig deeper into that um, later next week. But uh, the Suns get to stay in Mexico City, which is pretty neat. I hope they get to uh, avoid the NASCAR judge. Um, and the Mavericks are... I don't even know who they play. They play Sunday. They play Sunday here early game to avoid the Cowboys. They moved against- it off. Yeah, they did. Moved it to 1 p.m. That's two Sundays in uh, three weeks that they've moved their Sunday game for the Cowboys. Very polite. Very, Very. polite of them. Um, Sunday, 1 p.m. against the Timberwolves as we're all uh, getting our queso on. and uh, They don't our, eat queso uh, in Mexico. No, I mean, oh, for, you the mean cow- for the party. For pre-game, okay. pre-game cowboy party. Dude, I know they don't I- eat queso in Mexico. I've tried to I- get it there. I had a, thought I had a cultural burn, and I freaking whiffed. <laughs> no. I've been to Mexico. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. against the T-Wolves, and we'll be back with you Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Watch the Cowboys. Maybe catch some Mavericks on the DVR uh, if you're interested. And uh, thank you for listening. And, Jacob, thank you for your time. Whatever. <laughs>